0: Years ago, comedian Lily Tomlin quipped, we are all in this together by ourselves. And with this one-liner, Miss Tomlin succinctly named an enduring tension in the human condition, the tension between our social allegiances and our self-centered appetites. We are all in this together by ourselves. Now, for the last 300 years or so of history, we have been residing squarely on one end of this tension, by ourselves. As such, much of our recent understanding of the pursuit of happiness, the securing of our salvation, and our responsibility to one another has been driven by this belief that we are individual, autonomous actors. On a stage with other individual, autonomous actors— each setting their own course for their life. This viewpoint has played out for the last several centuries in the realm of faith in the church, where disciples have been encouraged by faith leaders to secure their own salvation, to embrace their own truth, and to repent of their own sin. And these principles of personal salvation, individual autonomy, and sin understood as a personal problem— have guided the church and its practices for centuries, for as long as any of us here can remember. But something is changing. Something is happening. Something is moving out there that's beginning to affect, I think, in positive ways, what's happening in here. In the world outside the walls of the church, we are increasingly conducting our lives, living our lives, in a social and informational togetherness. We are more together than we've ever been before. What used to be written in a journal and kept under lock and key under your pillow is now, with one click, shared with anyone and everyone in the world. And what used to happen in some far corner of the world didn't bother us that much, but now we see and hear and feel it watching the news, reading the paper, looking at our social media feeds. We are living together more than ever before. Some social scientists even argue, even make the case that much of the conflict, the tension we are experiencing in our world and in our nation especially right now, this conflict, they argue, is a result of us living, existing in a hyper-connected world, while still trying to evaluate and navigate that world by ourselves. We're applying old principles, old ways of being, old ways of understanding to a new reality. And it's causing all kinds of... This dissonance is causing all kinds of anxiety and confusion. The tide has come in and we are struggling to pick up our bag and run higher up on shore. As we watch the relevance of the institutional church, wax and wane. We can no longer allow ourselves to think that our salvation is just an individual affair. The stakes are just too high. As groups of people on two sides of every issue fight over who is right and who is wrong, who is in and who is out, while the majority in the middle suffers, we can no longer expect to experience God, God's peace, God's salvation, in isolation from those who look and think and act differently differently than we do. The world is just too small now. As we sense that need for a fresh start, a new beginning, a new way of being in the world, not only for us but for our nation as well, we can no longer, if we ever could, expect to experience God's power, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love without being active participants in some social network of people, people of faith who believe, who live as if this world is a place Where God chooses to dwell. In 2007, using data collected from the Farmingham Heart Study, researchers Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler discovered something fascinating about the power of all of our social networks, the ones seen and the ones unseen. The Framingham Study's purpose was to track the vital statistics and psychological states of the residents of one Massachusetts town over a period of 50 years. The researchers were initially interested in the impact on social connection, social context, on the health habits of people, but the richness of the data allowed Christakis and Fowler to track the long-term behavior in incredible detail of more than 12,000 people living in one town. The results were startling and further undermined the presumption that individuals ever were the rational, autonomous, self-reliant decision-makers they thought themselves to be. The data made it really clear. Who one knows, who one relates to, who one is in relationship with affects, directly affects, what one chooses to do, smoke or not exercise or not, sleep well or not, eat well or not, watch good TV shows or not. It all depends on who you are hanging out with, who you are talking to, who you are relating to. Our connections, it seems, do much more than just affect our access to opportunity and to resources, which they do. They also, it seems, shape our decisions, both the conscious ones and the unconscious ones. As the authors of the study concluded, This is crazy, how we feel, who we marry, whether we fall ill or not, how much money we make, and whether we vote, all depend on the ties that bind us. Social networks spread happiness, generosity, and love. These networks they go on are always there, exerting both subtle and dramatic influence over our choices, our thoughts, our feelings, and even our desires. And these connections, they conclude, do not end with the people we know. Beyond our own social horizons, friends of friends of friends can start chain reactions that eventually reach us, like waves from distant lands that wash up on our shore. Friends of friends of friends affect the choices you make, people you don't even know influence the choices you make each and every day. So what if, what if the power of God that pulled Lazarus out of that tomb, what if that power is still accessible to us today, just not in the ways we often imagine? What if our long-held assumption of the importance of individual autonomy, individual rights, has blinded us to the power of God revealed through the connections, the social connections we make. What if the access to the power of God we seek each and every day is determined by the extent of our social connections with other people of faith? What if other people matter that much to what we believe? The longer I'm engaged in ministry, it's been 17 years now, the more convinced I have become that the more Connected to and engaged with, we are to a network of people, to a group of people who expect and demand and long and hope for God to act, for God to do something, to do something amazing and new. The more we are connected to that group, the more likely it is that we actually experience in our own life God doing something unexpected and amazing and new. What if Lazarus wasn't just saved by Jesus? What if he was saved by his social network, his community, his people who spoke up on his behalf? I mean, Mary and Martha's willingness to reach out to their friend Jesus over the distance that separated them and the grief that blinded them, and the disciples' willingness to question what on earth Jesus was doing, both those things opened the door for their brother Lazarus to walk again. Without them, he wouldn't be standing in front of Jesus. And the amazing news for us today, if you believe in the power of social connection, is that this network of people that saved Lazarus and witnessed the miracle that is his life, this network is one we can still connect to all these years later because every person of faith who has ever questioned God, prayed to God, sought God's wisdom, cried out to God in grief, relied on God for strength, sought forgiveness from God, or fought for God's justice. Every one of those people, every one of their stories and their witnesses is a resource. We can tap in today. We have access to a social network that has access to the power of God revealed to the world in Jesus Christ. In fact, you may not have realized it, but almost every single Sunday, what we're really doing is strengthening our social network, our social bonds, so we can experience echoes of the resurrection today. I mean, in confession, we connect with all of humanity. I mean, who doesn't want to be forgiven for what they've done wrong? And there is power in that connection. In baptism, we connect to Disciples to people across the ages who want their life to be different, who are going this way and now want to go that way. And there is power in that connection. In the music of worship, every Sunday, we connect to people of faith across the centuries who experience God's Spirit through the gift of sacred song, and there is power in that connection. And in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, we connect with all the hungry of this world, of humanity who Who come to God's table in all its many forms seeking strength and courage and hope for their own journey of faith. And there is power in that connection. When I was a little kid, I learned about the butterfly effect. You know that effect? That some butterfly in the Amazon flapping its wings can affect my life today. When I first learned about the butterfly effect, I became incredibly anxious. I had a hard time sleeping for about a week. I found it deeply disturbing that some butterfly had power over my life. How dare that butterfly flap that wing? I want to go here, and now I'm going here? At first, it made me really anxious to think that one action could change the course of human history. But today, all these years later, after I've seen a lot more and experienced a lot more, the idea that one action One connection can change the course of human history. That is the hope that I cling to each and every day. We are not individual autonomous decision makers on our own, trying to figure it out on our own. We are members of a massive network of humanity. And while we're still figuring out how to navigate the interconnected web that is our life, more than ever, I think, our connections, who we relate to, matters. It matters not only to us on our own journey of faith, but to the spread of the gospel that has the power to bring hope to the hopeless, sight to the blind, and life to those overwhelmed by the shadow of death. So my charge to you today is simple. Get connected. Get connected, more connected to your spiritual network. Prioritize all forms of spiritual formation that draw you into a community, a network especially people in that network you don't know. Make their friends, of your, their friends your friends of your friends. Broaden your connections so you can widen your circle of influence and, I believe, your access to the power of God to make all things new. Lazarus wasn't just saved by Jesus. He was saved by his community of faith. Amen.